I kind of think having that FBO job, that is almost should be requisite for anybody into the aviation uh, community. I mean, there, you get exposed to so many different things, like you said, the fuel and the, the customer service aspect of it, the catering, transportation, all of that. Exactly. Experience. I feel like my advice to anyone who wants to start in this industry is just start anywhere you can, be it like a flight training school, working that front desk, you know, a line service technician, an FBO, a CSR, you, you're going to be exposed to the foundation of our industry here. And you're going to just learn valuable skills, you know, and you're going to make incredible connections with the folks because many of them, believe it or not, they started off just like that, fueling an airplane and, and grieving people at the FBO. And they really worked up the ranks. Hello and welcome everybody to the Business Aviation Collective podcast sponsored by LD Aviation. Today we get a chance to talk to Monica Katzbercheck. She has been in the industry in like almost every single section of the industry for many years. And Monica, thank you so much for taking your time to talk to us today. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So today, Monica, we're going to talk all about kind of how you got into the industry, your whole pathway. But then after that, we're going to talk about Flightbridge and all the different items that Flightbridge does. It is a huge, just wonderful tool. And I would love more people to know more about that. But let's start out with how did you get into the industry? Sure. So I got exposed to aviation pretty early on and um, it was basically in my neighborhood. You know, I grew up on the south side of Chicago, really close to Midway Airport. And anyone familiar with the area knows just how low those airplanes get when they're landing. Uh, the airport is basically one square mile in the middle of a residential area. And it's pretty cool to be on, you know, 63rd and Cicero right next to Giordano's Pizza and watching a big 737 buzz over the roof of your car. And we were in the flight path of, you know, all the aircraft. And so there would just be jets and airliners just all around me, you know. And I also traveled quite a bit in my youth. We have family in Europe. So I, um, you know, we traveled to see my grandparents and things like that. And so I loved being at an airport, just the hustle and the bustle of it. It thrilled me, I think, more than the average person. And I, I was just really excited to be there. And so when I decided to pursue an aviation career, you know, the deciding factor for me, believe it or not, was the moment I was sitting in my high school counselor's office waiting to talk to her about college entrance exams. There was actually a magazine there on the coffee table and I picked it up. And there was an ad for Lewis University and their aviation department. They're known for a couple of things, including their nursing program. But um, the aviation department ad stuck out to me. And I was really excited that the school was very close to my home. I didn't have to move anywhere. And I applied. I received a scholarship. And then I eventually graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Aviation Administration. Very cool. I, I think that's so cool because just one little thing, like like that one ad, kind of, I mean, obviously changed the trajectory of your whole life and career. Very exactly. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a little sign for something like the little push that I needed. And, you know, you got to think about what career or what industry really excites you. And aviation really did that for me. But I really didn't know where would I would end up. Uh, I knew I never wanted to be the one flying. I really adore those who do that and, you know, their courage and, and that profession, they probably really love it. That was just not a passion of mine, um, like airport operations and, you know, all of that, like the logistics side was really what um, interested me. That's very cool. 
So um, at Lewis University, you know, many universities are really pilot focused and everything. Mm -hmm. So were they really able to do a good job of introducing you to the airport side of things? Yep. I know it was very focused on airlines, on the airline uh, factor and very little about the private aviation sector. And coincidentally, by my, I would say, junior or sophomore, junior year, I was actually already working for Atlantic Aviation FBO in conjunction with going to Lewis. And oftentimes the professor, you know, in some of my aviation classes would, would you know, select me to talk about, well, how did they do it in the real world? How do they do this? How do they deal with this situation at the FBO? You know, what are the economics of it? selling fuel, you know, things like that. And I would have real life examples to talk about. And that, that you know, just had a lot of weight in, in learning the industry. You know, I wasn't very familiar with aircraft, like the, the students who were going for their pilot license. They knew the difference sure. between Pipers and Cessnas and you name it. Where working mm-hmm. at such a busy FBO, such as Atlantic Aviation, I learned that just from being exposed to it there. Sure. I kind of think... Having that FBO job, that is almost should be requisite for anybody into the aviation uh, community. I mean, there, you get exposed to so many different things, like you said, the fuel and the the customer service aspects of it, the catering, transportation, all of that. Exactly. It's a great experience. I feel like my advice to anyone who wants to start in this industry is just start anywhere you can, be it like a flight training school, working that front desk. You know, a line service technician, an FBO, a CSR, you, you're going to be exposed to the foundation of our industry here and you're going to just learn valuable skills, you know, and you're going to make incredible connections with the folks because many of them, believe it or not, they started off just like that, fueling an airplane and and greeting people at the FBO and they really worked up the ranks. Yep, definitely. I know I did. I did a couple of years of an FBO. Invaluable information and, and experience. I agree. Well, cool. So after you graduated, where did you go? Like, what job were you looking for? Where did you head to then? Yeah. So again, networking is really key in what helped me move throughout my career. A friend of mine at Lewis was working at Priester Aviation, which is a Part 135 charter operator at Chicago Executive Airport. And um, I started there as part of their wholesale and charter sales team. And eventually I was promoted to be a private client services manager where I was the main point of contact for many of Priester's high-level accounts. And that entailed everything from procuring aircraft for their trips, quoting the trips, selling them, assisting with all aspects of the flight, you know, such as the coordination of services with international handlers, organizing catering, ground services, et cetera, you know, everything to even invoicing the trip is just an all-encompassing type of role. And they're a pretty well-known company and have been around for quite a while as well. Oh, for sure. Yes, it is. I believe the third generation company and um, they, yeah, they're growing. I know they just acquired, I think, a third company recently. So kudos to Priester Aviation. Very cool. Very cool. And for those of you listening, any um, we're going to go ahead and like link to a couple of the companies that Monica is going to talk about. So look in the notes below for like Priester and, and as well um, will be Flybridge and stuff. So excellent. So, OK, before we go to the next section of your job, I have to ask. So if you were in Chicago, does that mean you were able did you ever go to the airport that was on the lake? And if I'm correct, called Migs, and Thanks. they dug it up in the middle of the night. 
No, I was never there, but I do remember that day and and having people scrambling, getting those aircraft off of the runways because they basically bulldozed it. And so it was, yeah, I, I wasn't there. I think I was too young at that moment when that happened. But yeah, just a crazy piece of Chicago history, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. I don't remember what year it was. I, I got a chance to fly in there one time uh, before they dug it all up. But yeah, I, and I really hadn't even thought about it until you were just talking about. Yeah, I think they do concerts there now is is, is what, you know, is really? being held there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess at least they used it for something that is public and, and you know, they get to see the view because the view is pretty great. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very cool. Awesome. Okay, so you got a lot of uh, experience in the FBO. Then you moved to charter sales and all that charter encompasses, which is, for me, kind of a separate world. I very, I did very little of Part 135. Most everything I've been doing is Part 91. Mm -hmm. So um, I was fascinated by that world as well. But after that, where did you head to? So while working at Priest Aviation, I met two really influential people in my career. Their names are Charlton Wills and Chad Renz. One day, the three of us went out for dinner, and this is when they told me about this idea they had for Business AirSource. They asked if I wanted to join them in starting it up. And I think they assumed I'd go home and think about it like a normal person would. But in that moment, it really felt right. And to their surprise, I unwaveringly said, hell yeah pardon my language. Uh, and they turned to each other and they smiled and the rest is history. We knew there would be a lot of work ahead of us with creating processes and most importantly, bringing on operators. So I was a part of the band for seven years. I was at the right time in my life to be able to make that type of move. And man, what a fun ride it was. And so we were basically the four higher sales arm of many smaller charter operators. You know, when we think of charter operators, we think of companies that have a lot of employees, you know, but the, the matter of fact is that some of them are really small. Some of them have a single dispatcher that is responsible yeah. for doing all of the logistics and the flight scheduling and moving things around. And they may not have enough time in their day for selling their empty legs and things like that. And so that's what we specialized in. So I learned all about, you know, those types of requirements about vetting vendors and selling, I know, to wholesale like a business to business to, you know, fellow brokers and even other operators and um, yeah, procuring off fleet. So that was that was really, really fun. And I am forever indebted to Charlton and Chad for asking me to be a part of this idea they had because it allowed me to learn a big part of this industry from the ground up. Uh, we're still good friends today and and still keep in touch. That is really cool because that, that is kind of similar to what LD Aviation does. We are focused on the smaller operators, same type of thing. Maybe they don't have time or they don't have a full-time dispatcher. And so we kind of pop in there. I did not realize that that existed for 135 sales. Yes, exactly. Especially, you know, I feel like, you know, after hours, you know, you don't have, you, instead of something going to voicemail, you have somebody around to always pick up the phone. And the idea behind it is to never say no to your client. Operators can act like brokers, you know, if they, you know, don't have a large enough aircraft for the group that they need to go somewhere or small enough aircraft. You can always fill that need, you know, and so it's, yeah, it's just, it's just learning a different aspect in, in the industry and working it to your advantage, I feel. That's very cool. Do you have any maybe insights or suggestions because it, to people who might be 
on the brink of making a decision or a jump like that? Because it sounds like you went from a pretty stable company where you knew everything, what was going to happen to a startup, which startups can be risky and even takes a, a certain person to be okay with that. Any suggestions to people who might be in that position right now? Yeah, I feel like, you know, you could be comfortable and know everything in your current position, but I feel like challenging yourself is really going to open up new opportunities to you. So it may be scary, but partnering with the right people and, you know, um, having somebody to lead you by example is really beneficial. So I feel like it's just um, fitting yourself with those right type of people and organizations is really the way to go. Um, I've never done it on my own, you know, without those types of people. So I can't speak to that, you know, venturing off on my own. But those types of connections that you make and if you have an idea, you know, don't second guess yourself. You know, I feel like it, when opportunity comes, just take some risks and you're going to be amazed at, you know, even if it fails, you will still learn from things from from the experience. Definitely, definitely. I love that you said don't second guess yourself. Yeah. If you've got an idea, go for it. You could do it simultaneously with your other job or part time on each one, but there's a ton of options there. Yes, definitely. Great advice. Very good advice. Okay. So, so after that, where did you head to? Um, it's actually my current position, which is with Flightbridge. And for those of you not familiar with Flightbridge, it is a camp systems company. And in a nutshell, it is a technology platform that's geared for private aviation. And back to your question about, you know, making that leap to something you're not that familiar with. I feel like this was a little bit outside of my comfort zone because it is mm -hmm. a technology company and not necessarily an aviation company. Although all of my experience that I've gained throughout working at all of these different positions in my career that is really where it's beneficial in my current position. I'm I'm a senior account manager for aircraft operators with Flightbridge. So I've been in the position of those dispatchers and the logistics folks and, and, and charter sales. Um, and that is where my experience kind of lends a hand to me and being able to relate to my current customers. Yeah, I'm sure they were very happy to find you. I, I personally love Flightbridge. I would endorse that one up and down all day long. Maybe for, like you were saying, some of the people that don't know what Flybridge does, mm -hmm. what what does it do? And maybe focus yeah. on, if you can focus on the Part 91-135 section first, and then we'll talk about the FBO side of it then after. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, when we think of aircraft operators, we think of everyone in that same kind of group. It could be a pilot owner. It could be a 91 outfit, you know, single tail operation flying for, you know, principal of a, cor you know, corporation. It could be a charter 135 operation, you know, for hire. Those are all under, you know, the umbrella that I work with. And they use the platform to communicate with various vendors, which include FBOs, catering companies, ground handlers, you know, rental car companies, all that. It's basically a technology platform that bridges all of the external systems together so that um, electronically they could speak to each other so that there's less re-entry of data, there's less errors happening. It just basically makes like a dispatcher's and pilot's job a little bit easier, you know, and it helps them save money and time. Because as we all know, the only constant in private aviation is change. <laughs> the second you make an order, 
Your client will call you and say, you know, our plans have changed. We now need to go, you know, this day, this time. And you are starting that trip process all over again. And that is why we're so successful in helping our operators do their job more efficiently. That is so cool. And I'm on the user side of this. And again, I I just can't say how much easier life is with Flightbridge. And nobody's paying me to tell you (laughs) to say this. But you can go in and you can reserve a rental car, like at an actual FBO. You know how hard that was five or either either without Flightbridge or um, five years ago? I mean, you would have to call the FBO, then you'd have to pass them all the information about what is the Emerald card number and blah, blah, blah. And this, the program holds all of it. And then you can just make these reservations. You can do one ways on it. You can, yeah, like you were saying, email the FBO and say, hey, we're coming in. And then the FBO emails you back. I love that part of it. Hotel rooms, it will show all of the like FBO rates. Remember when you used to have to call the FBO and be like, okay, yeah, what are the five different hotels in the area that you have? And you don't know their rates. You don't know if they're that great. Here you can really compare. So within Flightbridge, you will actually have access to Flightbridge negotiated rates with favorable cancellation policies. I mentioned the, you know, changes to private aviation trips are very, very, um, it's a normal thing that happens and um, multiple factors, you know, it could be weather, it could be, you know, a different, um, you know, reason, but we have a lot of rates with favorable cancellation policies. And then you also have access to the FBO rates. So instead of calling the FBOs, you get to see them inside of Flightbridge and kind of do a price comparison, if you will. Yep. And all attached to like their Marriott number. So when I do it, I add the Marriott number in there or whatever loyalty program you're with. And then for Marriott, at least, it will pop up on the crew members app and they can see it. Exactly. Um, And the same is true for the other loyalty types, you know, for Hilton and all the various hotel brands. But the same is true for your rental cars. We are we have a direct connection uh, to National Enterprise, Avis, Hertz. Uh, we also work with Go Rentals, but if you use your lo- the loyalty number of the traveler, they will see it in their app. And also, a, a, the newest feature of Flightbridge is our airline booking module. So the same thing is true if you if a you know if a corporation or a you know charter department has a contract with a given airline, we can actually load that contract for you, so you could be shopping on your own rates, and the travelers will continue earning their mileage points for all the airlines. That is very interesting. Okay, that's a piece I haven't used before. I kind of knew that it was out there, but I hadn't checked it out. That would be so cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to try that. Yeah, definitely. Because book airline stuff too. Yeah. The idea is to basically have one platform to do all of these types of bookings and logistics needs. You know, it is meant to be a logistics booking tool, but a lot of our larger operators, they use it as a workflow management tool as well. You know, it's customized schedule views and checklists. There's, I know there's a lot of moving pieces to the time that you get that call from your client, to the time that you, you sell the charter, to the time that that airplane is wheels up, and even in flight, you know, needing to know uh, whether they've landed, departed yet, things like that. There's a visual cues and, and triggers and things like that that help the dispatcher see where they are at in terms of, you know, what else is outstanding on a flight and things. And you guys are even integrated back and forth in between some of the scheduling softwares that are very commonly used. 
Correct. We have about 20 integrations with scheduling systems and it's the list is growing. We um, are happy to integrate with anyone that wishes to do so with us. And it usually comes by recommendation from our operators. You know, they help us connect with the scheduling partners that they work with and our development teams meet. And actually, that's a a, uh, role that I currently do is I work with our development team and QA team to onboard new clients and integrate their systems, but also to create new features and enhancements that come to us by recommendation by our operators. So we love to hear feedback from from pilots and our, our current users. You know, if there's something that you'd like to see in FlightBridge, we definitely want to hear from you and see what we could do to potentially build as a future enhancement. That's awesome. And, and if I'm not mistaken, too, you guys are you work internationally. Like if you wanted to notify a handler or an FBO from within FlightBridge, you could do that all over the world. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's not just strictly for domestic and even, you know, the FBO or the handler may have never heard of FlightBridge, but you could still send them a notification. It is a multifaceted tool for communication. Uh, we do have FBOs that use it as our concierge platform, and it does talk to also point of sale systems. We also have integrations on that side. You know, we have many vendor type of integrations with our APIs, even some of the large, uh, you know, scale providers um, for uh, catering and ground transportation. They are also connected to our APIs to receive reservations directly into their systems. I have definitely seen Air Culinaire. I've used it for Air Culinaire. I've seen how that works. But okay, so I don't really know, though, how it works on the FBO side. So you said, so the point of sale, so it'll talk to point of sale systems. Uh How, maybe walk me through, what does it look like when me as the user sends an email over to um, Atlantic Aviation, says, hey, we're coming in, blah, blah, blah. What does it look like on the FBO side? Sure. So from you as an operator, the view for you would look the same, whether you're sending it to a small municipal airport that may have never heard of FlightBridge, maybe to a large scale Atlantic that uses, you know, a lot more of the functionality. So you're sending an electronic notification and the smaller scale FBO that may not have a FlightBridge account, they receive an email and it's a pre-formatted email with information about the flight, how long you're going to be there for, any services that you have self-arranged prior to sending notification, such as rental car, catering, et cetera, um, and any services that you may need, fuel, hangar, coffees, papers. Um, and then they have a uh, link within that email that they could click on. They can acknowledge it, provide their name. So maybe it's the CSR's name. And then there's a text field that they can enter in notes. Maybe you had questions about what is the jet A fuel price? You know, what is the minimum uplift? So they have a way to respond back to you within that email. But a larger scale FBO, they may be using the concierge platform and to them, it gets organized on a schedule. So the schedule is dynamic. So um, FlightBridge would input your reservation in the middle of the schedule and it would turn yellow. And the CSR would see that there is a yellow flight, you know, that has not been viewed or acknowledged yet. He or she would click on it and the same thing, same premise. They would answer your questions, respond back to you, and it's all electronic. So there's an electronic timestamp happening. You see when they opened it, you see when they responded, and they can even mark things as delivered for you. So if you rented a car, uh, you know, yourself, ordered catering, and that vendor shows up with your order, they have the ability to mark things as delivered. So if you're using the visual checklist, you'll see those 
those checklist items change colors. And so you're no longer needing to call and follow up with them and ask them, hey, did my catering order show up or anything like that? You can see that on your schedule view. That is so cool. Yeah, I really, um, and I didn't mean to get so far down the tangent of, of Flybridge, but I just really love the program. And I encourage anybody who doesn't have it to look into it because it saves my team so much time. And then, oh, I was going to mention too, there's a um, report system at the, a reporting system at the end. So we go through and we request those reports that says, hey, you've saved this much money by using Flybridge in terms of using the, the discounts. Oh, yes. Or um, rental cars and hotels. And I haven't tried the airlines, like I said, but yeah, so there's reporting metrics on it as well. Definitely. We have uh, reporting tools that are available to users that they can pull ad hoc reports. So maybe they're looking for monthly reports, you know, uh, yearly. We can also set up automatic reports so that, you know, once a month your team can receive an automated uh, report with graphs and, you know, things organized a little bit differently, you know, maybe filtered by location, you know, which uh, hotel are you visiting most frequently, things like that. So um, and we also have the ability to upload corporate rate codes for corporations that maybe have to purchase with either maybe they have a corporate travel policy that they have to purchase with their own rates. Well, that could be done inside of Flightbridge as well. So just wanted to mention that in case somebody says, well, you know, we can't use the FBO rates or, or Flightbridge rates. Yeah. Well, you can upload that into Flightbridge and you'd still have visibility to to all of those rates and be able to use it um, integrated with your scheduling software and having all those booking details, you know, flow back via the two-way integration. So it's a great tool. And I, I just, I love your feedback um, about it because it is, you know, traveling to trade shows and things like that, where we get to meet people face-to-face. That is such a warm response that we get hearing from our users that, you know, Flightbridge has changed their life and, and how much they love the tool. It, it's just so nice to see that type of response. You know, I think the most often one we hear is, oh, I wish we'd have signed up sooner. Yeah. Um, especially on the FBO side, I know that change can be hard and scary and difficult, but I feel like, again, there's just so many great tools at the disposal that will just help users do their job more easily. I agree. Hands down. Anybody ever has questions, definitely reach out to me or Monica. So Monica, okay, so this has been Flybridge and that's where you're at now. And you're, um, sounds like you're integrated in all sorts of different sections of Flybridge. Let's switch over to some of your personal passions. What is it that you do outside of Flybridge? Because I know, um, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of hours in the work day, but what do you do outside of that? Definitely. So one of the things that I took on uh, last year um, was I became a troop leader for a group of Girl Scout Brownies, um, which are eight to nine year old girls. And this oh. year they're going to be entering third grade. Yeah. So my daughter Liliana is eight. And I thought that this would be a great way for her and I to spend some time together, but also a way for me to give back. You know, this is a volunteer opportunity for myself, you know, and so we do engage with prominent figures that are female, especially in our community. You know, last year we interviewed our town's mayor. And now that the girls are just a little bit older, I thought that a great thing to do this year um, and on the agenda we have um, is to visit a municipal airport in the area. We have plenty, you know, Pawaukee and DuPage and there's Gary, maybe even Midway. 
Um, but speak to a female pilot about their her job and um, hopefully check out the private jet or the piston aircraft that she flies up close and personal. I think that the girls would get a thrill from that. And, you know, they'd be exposed to an industry that maybe they didn't even know existed. That is so great. Uh, I know my kids did some brownies and Girl Scouts. They're a bit, mine are a bit older now, but what a great program. And it really relies on, like you said, it's a volunteer position. Yes. It relies on people taking their personal extra time to create experiences like that. Yes, so definitely. Awesome. That is super cool. And and those kids, you never know, you might change somebody's mind or change their trajectory of their whole life by showing them that. Sure, definitely. That's that really is end goal. And just to, you know, expose them to to new things and yeah, just give them different opportunities you may not otherwise have a privilege to see, you know? Yeah. Excellent. So how about on any books or podcasts or anything like that that you've been listening to that have just been impactful for you? Well, as of recently, I've been listening to yours. Uh, I, I think it's so cool the, you know, the people that you are interviewing. Um, and it's such a great resource for our industry and not just somebody that's looking to enter it, but also existing, you know, people in our industry to connect with each other and learn from each other and, and learn each other's stories. So I think it's, it's such a great thing that you're doing. So, so kudos oh. to you on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really, I just really love hearing where everybody, how did they get into the industry? How did they make it so far? You know, good suggestions. Because I, I mean, I really love the S&D and the MBAA events, but since they are only once a year, not everybody has the budget to go to them. Yes. And so I just really am passionate about trying to create something that is an online tool for all of us to be able to come and kind of collaborate and share resources and, and network. I mean, ultimately, you could use this as a networking tool. Like if they wanted to know more about Flybridge, they could just reach right on out to you or that's why I do it. That, that's the piece that I really enjoy. But thank <laughs> you. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I feel like networking is incredibly valuable in our industry. So if you have the opportunity to attend MBAA or SND or any of the regional forums, shake those hands, keep in touch with people that you meet. You may end up working for them or with them one day, even decades later. So definitely keep in touch with people. And yeah, I feel like the way that our industry is moving, you know, I work remotely. I'm sure you do too. And and so hearing, you know, just being able to connect via like electronic means such as these podcasts or or even, you know, coffee sessions or something like that, I think it's is extremely valuable. I agree. And there's a lot more of them out there and available than there ever was. Yeah. Just network, reach out. I agree. Important. Just very important. How about so it sounds like you have an eight-year-old, so they're young, young daughter. That must have pretty much, you know, changed your life a lot. Is there any habit that maybe over the last five years or something that you might have changed that has impacted and made your life better? Or a habit, a routine, anything? Yeah, you know, I feel like, especially working from home, you'd have to set up those routines. You have to set up, you know, a schedule for yourself to be able to still maybe go outside. So maybe when you're taking a call, maybe go outside and, and still lead that active lifestyle and things like that. Definitely love to travel and be outdoors as much as possible now. 
And I feel like in the next week, my life will change even more so because we're getting a puppy. Um, So, yes, I feel like we will have just a ton of adventures ahead of us. You know, I have two kids, Liliana, who's eight and Lucas, who is six. So I feel like this will be a great responsibility for them and just a way for me to also, you know, maybe go for walks with them and things like that. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, What kind of puppy is it? Yeah, it's a mix. It's an Australian shepherd mixed with a German short-haired pointer. Um, okay. our friends had a litter and we decided it, it's a good time to, to get a dog. So cool. Don't want to have a buddy next to me starting next week when I'm doing my demos with flight bridge and, and training sessions and, and things like that. So definitely reach out to me. If you want to see the puppy, I'll make sure to put, put him. <laughs> it's a he, I'll put him on camera. <laughs> I would definitely reach out. I love, I'm a big animal person and yeah. I know you can't see my office. I said that in quotations because I'm, <laughs> um, visiting friends and I'm in a bedroom but yeah. my two dogs are sitting right here by my feet and oh nice yeah I just love them with the periodic barking every once in a while now that's a pain but overall they're just they're just snoring away over here so yeah that's, that's great it's exciting yes all right well how about one more question any suggestions or advice you might give to somebody who is new to the industry entering thinking of entering and Definitely. anything like that You know, reach out to people that are, I think, on Lindsay's podcast, maybe like the the best people to go to because they're open to talk about their experiences and maybe can lend some helpful advice. You know, I've actually done that a couple of times. There are some friends who are going to, they're studying currently to become aircraft maintenance technicians and things like that and, and to want to know where they should apply, you know, what, what should they do? And it's, Think small, I feel, you know, don't think you're going to get land that shark position. You know, I feel like working up the ladder is really the way to go, even if it means sometimes, you know, I I know I personally, I took a pay cut with my first position just to enter into the aviation industry. I worked for a bank for four years. I was a bank teller and I took a very small, very, you know, insignificant pay cut. But to me at that time, you know, I just said, the experience I'm going to gain is just going to be invaluable. And even internships, you know, um, I also interned with the city of Chicago Department of Aviation for a brief time. And some internships are unpaid. If you have a degree, they can be paid. But, you know, just being exposed to those industries will help you decide whether you want to proceed with the trajectory that you're on in, in private aviation or make your be it, you know, airlines or anything like that. So definitely try different things and um, feel free to reach out to us and I'll be happy to provide you with my information if you're interested in speaking with me or learning more about FlightBridge or your company. My email is Monica K. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-K at flightbridge.com. And I'd love to connect with people who are trying to enter this industry or existing users just so we could talk and answer any questions you may have. Great. That's so wonderful. Thank you so much for being open to that. That is, it really truly makes the difference when people are open to conversations and you never know where it's going to lead. Definitely. Well, awesome. Well, Monica, I really appreciate you speaking with us today and I just hope you have a great rest of your day and I can't wait to see that new puppy. Yes, thank you, Lindsay, for having me. It's been a pleasure to be on your podcast. 
Wonderful. All right. Well, we'll talk again soon. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Please stay tuned for more episodes. And check out our website for up-and-coming podcasts. This has been a production of the Business Aviation Collective, sponsored by LD Aviation.